What up, fellas? This is John of John's Lonely Podcast. Hey, shame on us for not taking advantage of this opportunity to leave you guys a message and let you know uh, how much we really, really enjoy your podcast. Really, really hope you keep it going. Stay strong. Hope you guys have a great holiday season. Black at birth, brown by choice. Peace. Welcome to Black and Brown, a podcast where three black guys get to share their love of bourbon. We talk about current events, we conduct interviews, and good old-fashioned shit-talking. Our hosts, Bill, Anthony, and Delvin, will keep you informed on what's going down with that brown. Elizabeth McCall is the assistant master distiller at Woodford Reserve. She's a second-generation bourbon industry professional and one of the youngest female distillers in the United States. She stops by the podcast, the drop hidden gems, talk about the industry, and just kick it with us. So pour one up. Let's get it. Welcome to the Black and Brown Podcast. I'm your man, A. Colbert, the plug. As always, back for another week. Yes, sir. With my cousin, W.H. Stevens. Yes, sir. Silverback. How you doing, good. dog? Yeah, man, I'm good. How you doing, bro? Good. Good to see you. And Delvin Joyce, the people's choice. What's the deal, fam? <laughs> and, and by the way, I'm your cousin, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. your cousin. Yeah, I mean, not, my, not, my distant third. Not like true kinfolk, yes. but he's yeah. kinfolk. Yeah. Work. And this week, our special guest on the show special is guest. very special guest. The one and only. I don't like. I don't like titles like assistant or you know stuff like that. Let's just you know, <laughs> master distiller. There we go. There we go. Elizabeth like O'Neill McCall. Is that cool? I'm 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 cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, welcome to the Black and Brown Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I've listened to a few of your podcasts. And I'm oh, like, nice. this is going to be a fun, we're going to have fun tonight. Well, yeah, we, absolutely. we hope so because yeah. we really don't follow a script. You know, we go do all that work for the run of show and get prepared. And then we just have a good time talking to people and making new friends. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, you know, and, uh, and circling it with you, man, it's been, a, it's been a challenge. So I, I really appreciate you guys working with us and yeah. we, with all the rescheduling, all that kind of stuff is, is greatly appreciated because I know, um, your time is very valuable, and I appreciate yeah. you. You know, you being very flexible with your time. Of course, yeah. of course. Cool. So we'll so we'll dive right in. Like we have three questions we like to to um, ask our guests to kind of get things smoothed out and calm before we dive into the the fun the, stuff. The meat and, and potatoes. The meat and potatoes, <laughs> as my cousin says. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody has that one first drink or cocktail that made them fall in love with bourbon or the brown, as we call it. So for you, what was that? That one drinker cocktail. Y'all are drinking it right now. Oh, oh, really? Wow. Reserve double oak. And so I'll tell you because I mean, when I first started drinking, I mean, I was drinking cheap beer at the bar. I couldn't afford anything <laughs> real nice. And then, and then too, like I would drink vodka. And then when I got into drinking whiskey, I was like, I don't know how to drink it. I don't really like. I was still so like into. Mixing. So when I first drank, and I should say, like, I'm mean, not drank bourbon, and I would mix it. But when I first drank bourbon and appreciated just like on the rocks, and was like, this is my thing. It was Woodford Reserve Double Oak on the rocks. And I was in Canada on a work trip of all places. Like so random to be in Canada when right. that happened, but it was amazing. Now, and were you so with um, Woodford whenever you tried it before, or, or was that? I mean, were you were you an employee of, of Woodford? I was, I was working for Brown Foreman. So I was uh, a sensory scientist. So uh, that's what I was doing. I was in my sensory role and on a trip auditing our Canadian mist distillery, which we don't own anymore. But yeah, 
Oh, did, nice. you, did you hear her stunt though? She was like, "I was a sensory scientist." Yeah, 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 yeah. We go, yeah, we go, yeah, yeah, we going, yeah. I can't we going wait to dive into that. This. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, I'm very interested in hearing all. And, about and I'm that. curious, so because we really like this Woodford Double Oak. So, what was it about it for you that did it? I so recently I read that it was quoted as being the Ted Lasso of bourbon. <laughs> One of my favorite shows. Oh, that's by the awesome. way. That's a quote. Me too. And and I've always introduced it. I'm like, y'all, this is the most friendly hello you'll get from a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey because <laughs> when you know it, like it's butterscotch, it's caramel, it's brown sugar, that's it's it. vanilla. It's it's all the things that like why would you not want to take a sip of? Like it, it, there's nothing offensive about it. It's friendly. And, and here's the thing, like when you sip it, I always tell people, I'm like, and I, I so I like to bake chocolate chip cookies, especially Uh-oh. during the holidays. I'm going to see so, you my address you know, after this. Making, so you're going to see me some of those cookies. Care package. I mean, <laughs> I have, I'm, I've got to make another batch. I already made one round, but, um, <laughs> but I use double oaked in them because when you, oh. when you taste the, the butter, brown sugar, sugar, and the vanilla all mixed together and you taste it in the finish, the same as this finish. Like when it just sits there and you're like, oh, it's so good. So I was like, I'm going to put this in my chocolate chip cookies and see what happens. Hold and up, sidebar, sidebar. Oh, Lord. <laughs> sidebar. Here we go. So so when you put it in the chocolate chip cookie, did you did you cream it in with, with the wet? So what, yes, with the wet. So I I just take out, I took out the vanilla. I said, get rid of the vanilla. And I actually put in four tablespoons or a fourth of a cup double oak. Well, well, well. well. (laughs) That's right. Let the church say amen. We just got a new recipe, dog. Yes, we did. For real. And she likes to bake them. I like to eat them. For real. (laughs) I love that. Oh, I'm going to have to email you some questions offline. After yes, sir. The yes, Ted sir. Lasso. Of, yeah. I love I that. I like that. Me she too. said it's the warmest hello you ever get. Yeah. Exactly. Be a goldfish. Or something like that. <laughs> Be a goldfish. <laughs> I love that. Be All a right. goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, Elizabeth, we obviously know that as a big-time bourbon rock star insider person, you get access to all kinds of crazy bottles that us mere amateurs and, you know, lay people don't get access to. Yeah, Yeah. us normal folk, we have to walk into an ABC and we're at the mercy of what's there, right? Um, So we know you get access to all these bottles. You're partial to Woodford Reserve, but is there a bottle out there that you are hunting? I have to say, I don't, there's nothing that I'm hunting, I guess. Um, I do love, I love the taste other whiskeys like I love to sit down with people and they're like you got to try this and uh, so I love to experience different things but I will tell you so one that I miss and I it's sitting empty on my bar at home I think I've got like maybe a sip maybe like I don't even know like I I, but it's our Woodford Reserve Pinot Noir finish from our master's collection and um never heard of it it's it's so good. So we do our master's collection. This was this was released years ago. And the promise, and this was before, like when I first started getting involved with the brand. Okay. And um, and like when they first dumped the liquid, it was purple. It was like the color of Pinot Noir. It was amazing. Mm. And then of course you filter and all the things. But like it's it's marrying two of my favorite things. I mean Woodford and then beautiful Pinot Noir wine is like heaven. So, um. If I could get another bottle of that, I would be so happy. But 
it's That's, fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's our our promise to never repeat. So it's over. And and do you get access to like the Woodford? Double double releases, yeah. like so. You, you like the Baccarat, yeah. Like I was all just those gonna things, say, yeah. Like, yeah, the double double. Um, well, so I have the double double at home, and I don't have like I can't just get bought like cases of it. Like, we give we want to sell it to the people, so I haven't gotten a bottle of it since we first released it, and then I think I've maybe purchased one. Um, at retail, so, yeah. All right. Oh, so, so, so would it be would it I be mean, too presumptuous to say like maybe three samples float our way just to try it? Because <laughs> she hasn't I mean, cracked it. Yo, but I'm saying she said you know All right, maybe, before you make cookies with it. Yeah, boy, they're gonna be well, that's I won't the million make cookies dollar cookies. With that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I will say I I don't know. Well, see, this is one of the things I'm I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you this, but I don't feel like there's anything wrong with it. We're gonna experiment with a lottery. I think. This is, don't hold me to it, but I'm pretty sure we're going to try so that because double double is only available at the distillery right now. Um, and so, which is hard. Everybody's like, why I want to get a bottle. And, um, and so to try to open it up, we're doing a lottery for you to win a chance to purchase a bottle, but you have to come to Kentucky to our distillery to purchase it. That ain't no problem. Say oh, less. Okay. No problem. Okay. It's not a, it's not a far right. drive from y'all, so. No. No, 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 not terrible. Not like, terrible. No, the fact that we understood what you meant when you say y'all yeah. means it's not a far drive. Yeah, it's ain't a problem. It's <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> 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 it's dope. So, so the final question we like to ask our guests is, on all those dope bottles or pours you have, we like to say bourbon also has an ear in addition to a nose and a palate. So what do you get on your ear when you're drinking that Double oak or that double double or that baccarat <laughs> that we can't get. <laughs> all that, all the fancy stuff, or um, you know, I think like if I'm gonna do, and I don't do fancy cocktail hour mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the house, like so, I'm just gonna lay it out there. So when I say cocktail hour, I mean like I'm pouring myself some water on the rock. Um, but what, what there's something really. Huh? With a splash of lemon. Yeah, that's when I'm being fancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I think of Frank Sinatra. Ooh. Like, I will be like, Siri, or no, Alexa, play some uh, Frank Sinatra station. And just, I just want to think that I'm in some like fancy bar and, and you know, and living it up when really I'm in my sweatpants and like, chilling after like a busy day um but that makes me feel really fancy and i and i think i i just i don't know i guess because maybe that was back when bourbon was in its heyday or pre bourbon boom now yeah was when people were that's what they were having their old fashions or whatever at the cocktail hour and Wearing things like minks. I don't know. I mean, I, Wait, wow. I love that answer. Yeah, I am yeah, a yeah. big Sinatra guy. But, but oh, yeah. I need, I but I need a song from Frank, though. You know what I'm saying? Old Blue Eyes got to give you one. Is it like, you know, he did what? Fly Me to the Moon? That's, That's a great like one. the joint yeah. right there. You know what I mean? I mean, Fly Me to the Moon. There's um, Luck Be a Lady. Oh, yeah. That's oh, another yeah, one. That's yeah. another one. New York, New York. Oh, no. yeah. 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 But Frank but Frank was a Jack Daniels guy, right? Was he really? He yes, was. he was. He made yeah. a song about yeah, Jack Daniels. He did. Daniels. Yeah. With, a, with a bottle of Jack. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Frank lost some points right there, dog. I like, you know, the, the Tennessee whiskey, and I don't have a good affair, dog. Yeah, yeah that's sometimes. a great answer, though. You are the first person to get Frank Sinatra on the ear on bourbon. So, yes, yeah. Another black and brown first. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, that's I like funny. that. I, I only eat, like, legit, if I'm eating steak, <laughs> yeah. I have to put on Frank Sinatra. What? I'm, ha- I'm like you, Elizabeth. If I'm having steak in my house, really? I'm putting on Sinatra. Because oh, I, wow. I, I'm like, I want to go to New Heaven York experience. Steakhouse. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah, okay. And take, take you, me back to a dope New York Steakhouse. That makes no sense, but okay. And there's something about, like, you blast that music, and it just yeah. makes you feel fancy. Exactly. Wow. And there's no bass in it, so you can blast it. It's all <laughs> trouble. Yeah. All trouble. No <laughs> bass. Buddy. But real quick, before oh, we go in there, yeah. so, so what's your, gold, your uh, go-to cocktail? I mean, so what are you sipping on tonight, or are you doing okay. anything? So I don't really, like, okay, well, so if I'm, I guess, okay, I'm like, well, I don't make cocktails that much. Let's just oh, go there. Okay. I like, right. I'm like a poured-over-the-rocks kind of girl. Oh, nice. But if I'm, if I'm going out, and somebody's going to make me a cocktail. I love a Woodford Rye Manhattan up in a coop. Mm-hmm. I like, I love the coop. <laughs> you know, like the yeah. coop. Yeah, I like the coop too. Is it the, the, yeah. the high round one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like and it makes me seem like, like I'm pretentious, but it's because it's like, I just, I, I love, like, I don't go out much. And if you're going to go to a bar and somebody's going to take the time to make a cocktail, it's like, it feels fancy to be up in a coop and like I'm obviously not fancy very I need it this is like making me feel like I need to be more fancy <laughs> that's dope that's very nice that's awesome we gotta hang but, out with you next yeah. time we're in, in, in yeah. uh, wait in till you try bit. Manhattan in a coupe de ville Oh. <laughs> that's a whole other level. <laughs> <That's> stupid. <laughs> Seriously, rolling yeah. in the Last in Frank Sinatra, oh I'll be goodness. real fancy. You're real that's fancy. right. That's right. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, you oh, said man. you said before you were a sensory scientist. Can you give our listeners and for people who don't really know a lot about you overview on your background from sensory scientist to master taster and master distiller? Yeah. Um, so I started with our parent company, Brown Foreman, um, as a sensory technician. So I was hired into the lab to uh, set up tasting panels. I was on quality control taste testing. So I set up the tasting panels um, and kind of entered the data and would look at it, send out reports to our production sites to make sure that quality was going well. Um, and then slowly over the next few years, got promoted sensory scientist. And that's when I started managing it more. And um, eventually I was sent out to all of our global production facilities to train our, our employees, our production team members on how to properly nose and taste our products and find um, any defects in the products. Because basically, and I, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to quality and sensory. And so it's like, I get on my soapbox about you can run as many analytical tests as you want, make sure it's on for proof, color, sugar, uh, pH, all the acidity, all the, all the things. Um, but if it doesn't taste right, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Like, right. The human being's palate is the most important thing. And the way people perceive your product is the most important thing. So we, so as a part of like a big quality uh, thing initiative to make sure that all of our production sites were using the same methodology and um, and trained correctly. And so I would train them on it was vodka or 
uh, like a formulated product, tequila, Canadian, Jack Daniels, <laughs> uh, our Old Forester products, uh, Woodford products. So everything that we produced, I was kind of helping manage that. And I really loved, I loved that role. Um, and I, I love the role I'm in now, but so I learned a lot doing that and, um, worked with just some of the best people in the industry. And, um, and then I met Chris Morris. So I started in 2009 at Brown Foreman and then Chris Morris was on all these tasting panels. So I knew who he was and the guy's like a legend in the bourbon world. And, um, so he would do tastings and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, there's Chris Morris, the master distiller. And, um, and then one, I took, I had the opportunity to take a training class with him in 2014. And, um, and he was, I was the person who, he was doing tasting. So I was like, I showed up early. I was, uh, help it. Can I help you set up? Can I help you clean up? And I had 10 million questions for him because most of the people in the class were all sales or marketing. And so they were kind of, I don't want to say they were just like checking boxes, but like they weren't in it like I was in it. Like right. I'm in the production facility. So I, I want to understand deeply how this works and what all the rules and regulations are. So still so new. And, um, and, and so I had all these questions and I guess something stood out in his mind of like, huh, this could be somebody for a role. I had no idea they were looking for somebody to be in. Yep. Um, so by that was like, February or something. And then by like that summer, I was asked if I wanted to train to be master taster. And at that time it was on both Woodford and Old Forster. So I worked on both brands for a while. And then by 2015, so I was master taster. I got my title uh-huh. um, to be master taster, which is cool. it was just funny. Cause it's like, it's like you're graduated. Now you have this. Um, <laughs> and so then that was 2015. And then by 2016, I was, like moved to focus on Woodford Reserve and um, quality control out at production for Woodford and um, and Master Taster specifically for Woodford. But then and then by 2018, I was promoted to assistant master distiller, which is my current title now. So um, quick, Dope. quick ride, but um, fun. Hey. That's very nice. That's dope. That's, that's awesome. Dope. That's yes. awesome. Yes. That's fire. I, so I, have I, have, a, I have one quick question for you. Go continue. on. Go on. So, um, so where are you from? I mean, did you grow up in, in Kentucky? Or are you from the area? Or I'm from the area, born in Cincinnati, and then moved down here when I was in fifth grade. So I've grown up in Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay. Ride horses, drink bourbon, oh, you nice. know, very... Typical University okay. of Louisville. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, the, know it's the y'all, yeah. right? The y'all. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, because I mean, because you know, your your mother, if if I'm not mistaken, is in the industry as well, or she started in there. So growing up, I mean, did you knew that? I mean, did you know that you were gonna get into bourbon, or did you? Was that some of your your lifelong dreams as a kid? Or no. So my mom, it's so funny. So like, my mom worked at Seagram's, the Seagram's bottling plant in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. So she, which is still in production now, I mean, it's not Seagram's anymore, it's MGP, but she was there um, and worked bottling, bottling line manager and quality control, which was funny. But we didn't really talk about that because she, because during that time, and once she had my older brother, she um, got out of the workforce because really, I mean, women, she just didn't have the resources to like, to support her going back to work. So she, it made more sense for her to stay home. So she stayed home 
and um, worked part time and different things throughout our childhood growing up. And so she didn't, we didn't really talk about that. And she's not much, she's a beer drinker. She's not like a big bourbon drinker. My okay. dad drinks the okay. bourbon yeah. and um, kind of introduced me to that. Uh, but, you know, I think the one thing that like my mom always instilled in me was in both my parents. I mean, really, they both get credit for it. I mean, um, but just, you just, you don't take shit from people. Like you don't, my mom would always be like, oh, these people are, you know, like, cause there were people that would just, she's surrounded by all men. I mean, right. she was the only woman right. working with all these men and they are like, just kind of trying to let her know, like tried to bully and my mom's just never been a pushover like that and raised me to be the same way. Not that I've ever really been bullied, but I just am like not afraid to speak my mind on things either. That's awesome. Bars. I love that. Bars. Bars. <laughs> Bars a pan. Um, and by the way, when you said my parents instill, I honestly thought you said my parents distilled in me. That was like, I honestly thought you said. So, yeah, just pretend like I said that. That would have been perfect. That would have been awesome. Bars. So I do have a question because you talked about, um, you know, trying to pick out defects in bourbon, right? And we are, you know, we are far along in our bourbon journey and our matriculation, mm-hmm. if I can, right? Yeah, there you go, a little bit. But, but we still got a long way to go. Oh. And so when you say defects, like what, give me an example of what you would be looking for as a potential defect in a, in a distillate or bourbon. Okay, so our biggest defect that we look for and is like scary for, for us at Woodford and Brown Foreman as a whole is musty character so um say you're sitting down to do a panel and you've got new make so when it first comes off the still we test every every batch that comes off the still for all of our brands and we have a gold we have a standard that we compare it back to so we know this is what it should taste like how does it deviate when you're talking quality and looking for defects you're you only want to look for you're not trying to describe it you're trying to say is there a difference? Is that difference negative? And if it's negative, what is making it negative? And so for us, if, if you get musky, and musky smells like damp leaves or like an old basement or My mold fungus, like it's, na- it's nasty. Like I don't like it. And, and here's the thing that I learned. So it's interesting. Not everybody is sensitive to it. So some people cannot pick it up sensory-wise. Like they cannot perceive musty hmm. and it's fascinating so um so that's like a whole other conversation but that's <laughs> the biggest one so if we find musty character in our whiskey what we do at that point is go okay it gets red flagged in the system if we have musty whiskey because the biggest thing about that why it's such a major defect is the fact that it doesn't age out so you can age uh, it in a barrel and it's never gonna go away it will always be there. And the more you dilute it down, the more water you add to it, it's just going to blossom and grow. And you're yeah. going to be like, wow, I'm, I'm sucking on like the fish filter, like the algae yeah. fish filter. Like my son's room. I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, it never, it never goes away. It doesn't age out. It doesn't age out. Whereas like a lot of other defects, so you can have like aldehyde or um, diacetyl, grainy, low character. Those things over time we have found in our research that they age out. So more time in the barrel, that barrel really will cover up any of those defects you find. 
So those aren't as severe. It's something we look at and we will retest as it matures to see if, did it age out or not. And we'll, we'll give it another uh, sensory score or a quality score um, at that point. But musty does not age out. So we kind of mark that in the system and it will not go. So we have kind of a, a number. So we work on a 4.0 scale. So Woodford is held to 3.99, I think is what our, is that is our, our, our threshold. Breakfast. You know, we're, we're like, we only take batches of whiskey that's rated really high. So that would never make it into the batch of Woodford Reserve. Even if we did all the research, you know, we could put one barrel per batch of like 120 barrels and you wouldn't detect it. We're not, it's not worth jeopardizing Woodford for that. Wow. So we would never do it. And if I'm hearing you correctly, you you can't pick up necessarily that musty character through your analytics, but you actually have to have someone physically, manually knows it to pick it out. Exactly. So it wouldn't be picked up on the analytical test we do standard on all of our new makes. It would be what we would do is you'd find that we have a human being would detect it. We'd confirm it on a sensory panel. Then we would take that sample and send it off for analytical testing to specifically look for the um, the molecule that gives us that, like geosmin or whatever compound it is that's going to give you that musky note. Elizabeth, if Damn. I may, for the molecules. listeners, I just need to translate. Wow. She's not saying she's a baller, <laughs> but what she but, is saying, the average person couldn't find that can must. Yeah, yeah, can't get that that must right. yeah. Molecules, dog? Baller, I mean, dog. I haven't thought about molecules since like eighth grade. Yeah. Real talk. <laughs> Real talk. Crazy. You see, you're a scientist and, yes. you, and you have a CSS, right? Designation yeah. behind your name. So tell us what the CSS is. Please. And, yeah. and why is that important? Is it about crime scenes? Okay. <laughs> no, that's CSI. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 my bad. CSI. <laughs> <laughs> that's way cooler. Um, <laughs> no, my, the CSS is a certified specialist of spirit. So it is a, a test that you all could take it. Y'all could be certified specialists of spirits or, uh-huh. you know. Not if I have to talk about no. molecules. No. <laughs> no. I, I smell no, some fun. It, it's really... <laughs> It's looking at all the distilled spirits and understanding how they're made and then even history behind them, what differentiates like, you know, brandy and brandy from different parts of the world and all that. So it's, it's a, it's an interesting test. It was the worst test I've ever, I don't test well. And it was one of those like multiple choice. And I, I have ADD. So like I'm a terrible <laughs> test taker and the, the time clock like really stresses me out. So I like just barely passed it, but I passed it. So I put those letters proudly. And there like, you go. I earned it. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have a chance. Yeah. About to say, she, you, she know, you, know, you know, you know, you know, yeah. what do you call the person that is the last in this class in a, a medical school? Yeah. A doctor. A doctor. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. A doctor. doesn't you matter. You pass. You good. You That's passed. right. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, I'm curious, how, how do you become or how do you train to become a master taster. Or just like a sensory specialist. I mean, is that something that you went to school for? Or is that something you studied in college? Or or just something you kind of yeah. about there? So I, that's, it's funny. Because when I interviewed for the job, I mean, being a technician, it was like my main duties were going to be set up the taste panels, wash glassware for the tastings. Like 
I can pack a um, dishwasher like nobody's business. Without. <laughs> so I'm really good at that. But it was like keeping track of your shelf life and a lot of data analysis sort of stuff. So it was very basic. And um, I remember when I was interviewing for the job, my hiring manager was Chris Fletcher, who's master distiller for Jack Daniels. There I go, talking about Tennessee whiskey again. Wow, but, um, baller. He was my hiring manager, and I remember him showing me new make. Like he was like, "This is this is whiskey before it becomes whiskey," and I'm like noting it. And like I didn't know whiskey was clear. Like I didn't know what I knew nothing about mm. anything. So I learned it all in house, uh, working that job. And I mean, it was, but it was it's And they're still my favorite people, like in the company, like just so cool people that are really brilliant, and we all really challenge each other so i was with analytical chemists and processing engineers and other sensory scientists and then uh food scientists so we all make up all of those um those quality panels and really highly sophisticated panels that we have at brown foreman uh for sensory testing and we would like look like we so to train we would samples with off defects so we spike a sample with musty um, a musty chemical so we would train ourselves to know like what does it look like in whiskey what does diacetyl look like in whiskey so we would know what those and then we throw them in panels blindly so you don't know that they're going to be in there and so when you get done with the panel it's like i gotta look at the key to know did i mark that that sample down correctly or did i screw it up and we're all really competitive so it was it was training on the job um, there. And then I helped to develop the uh, descriptive analysis panel. We didn't have one that was like a group of people. Which it's really cool because it's a group of people. You sit down, look at only two whiskey samples at a time, basically. And then we uh, judge them on 15 different attributes. So like fruit, floral notes, wood notes, sweet aromatics, spice. Like we kind of break it out like that. And then it's on a 15 point scale and all of us kind of have to agree. So we taste, we write down what we think and the attributes are, we have like aroma jars to kind of train. So cinnamon versus clove and pepper and vanilla versus caramel. I mean, really sitting down and looking at it and then you judge it. And, um, and then we'd all talk about it and be like, well, I, I gave this a five on vanilla, but you gave it a seven, like, you know, or an eight, why did you go so high? Can you kind of like get it closer together and kind of talk about it? So it was really making a group of people one holistic instrument for something that's very subjective. Oh, yeah, well, I'm, on my, I'm on my hashtag nerd joint right now. Yeah, for real. dude, I can. Listen I mean, for to real, because about this all day. I mean, we're deep behind the curtain right now. How they're yeah. tasting, yeah. and everything like yeah. that. But to to just bounce around for a minute and probably circle back to that. I know you guys have a huge initiative right now at Woodford Reserve to have the rye that's in the bourbon grown here, right? Because I didn't yeah. know this. I didn't know it was grown outside the country. So can you speak to that a little bit, like how you guys are trying to drive that? Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for asking us because that Yo, is something I, I really want to talk about. Phil Darkie, Phil Darkie, <laughs> Phil Darkie, exactly. Yeah. Um, so this is huge, guys. This is like one of those things where I got started in it because I just wanted to source rye grain locally and try to minimize our carbon footprint. But nice. then after getting involved and I learned so much about rye grain, the benefits of rye grain, 
And then also just learning like, yeah, we do store, like most rye grows really well in Poland, in Germany. Like the climate there is ideal for growing a mass amount of rye. I mean, we're, we're all commercialized farming now. So everything's done in these massive ways that isn't really natural. So back in the late 1800s or, you know, well, in the 1800s when people were fully settled in, in Kentucky and had their farms, like when you did your farm distilling, you could grow a small amount of rye and it was fine like because it was just a small amount. But to do it on a large scale to really support farmers in Kentucky, it just didn't make sense. And so a part of this initiative is to bring that back to Kentucky. But, um, but bigger than that is that rye is a winter cover crop. So once you harvest your corn, you would lay down some rye Mm. and it would hold. So what the rye does is that the root system is really long. So it holds the soil in the stable in the ground. So you don't have as much soil runoff and water system issues. And then um, it actually sequesters carbon from the air. So I'm like, when I learned this, I was like, this is amazing. So it's actually pulling carbon from the air and it puts it back down into the earth. And it does great things like for soil health and really, really um, just making it a better soil for when you plant on top of it. Um, So it's a great cover crop. But then... If we can turn that into an actual like a crop that they can actually make money off of, a oh, profitable yeah. crop by having it go to seed, and we gather that rye seed and then use it in distilling, brewing, baking, I mean, then we've got a full kind of uh, economy happening in the state of Kentucky and hopefully throughout the United States. I mean, really, it would be so awesome if it was something that caught on everywhere. Um and, and so that's what we're pushing for is to try to do that. So at Woodford Reserve is involved in taking on a lot of that risk of like, okay, we'll produce some, some batches of whiskey at our distillery with this rye grain and see what happens. And we've done it successfully for five years and we're committed for another five, 10 years. So really, really excited about this work. That's nice. phenomenal. Circle life, circle so, life. So the, circle so the rye that you guys put in the... Woodford Reserve rye that you like in your Manhattan up in the coop, um, that is grown in the U.S., like that's grown in Kentucky? Not currently. So what, what you get in, the, in a glass of Woodford Reserve rye right now is sourced from Europe and parts of Canada, like northern regions where it grows really well. So we're, we're looking for, we produce them so it's still aging. The earliest we have is from um, 2019. So we, mm. we, we produced some rye whiskey grown in Kentucky um, with rye grain grown in Kentucky in 2019. Awesome. And that'll be three years old. So we're going to do some, some more sensory work on that to see, because the other part of what we're doing at Woodford is we're doing all the flavor research. We're trying to understand, is there a flavor difference? Could this be a Kentucky proud product where it's delivering different flavor? Um, so it's really, there's, there's so much going on in this space. It's like, I can't capture it all in like a good soundbite, but right. like, it's just, it's really cool work. And I'm really excited to be a part of it. I feel like I shouldn't be part of it, but here I am. And I'm like going out to the farmer fields and checking on crops. And <laughs> it's cool. Wow. I'm like, yes, I'll be there. Like checking, yeah. checking in on the babies. Exactly. And, and, and I gotta, yeah. I would imagine, and I'm just speculating, but reducing your carbon footprint, is that, is that something that, 
most people in the whiskey, American whiskey industry even think about? Or is that something that's specific to you guys and or you? Well, I, the more that we get it, like, I know for Brown Foreman, it's a big, it's a big deal. Like we really have strong initiatives and big, big lofty goals um, to really reduce, you know, to be sustainability focused and reduce a lot of our carbon emissions and, and even looking at packaging and, and everything. So we're looking at it from every angle. Um, but I've learned that, I mean, other distilleries are, and, and the whole point of doing this is, I mean, we're encouraging other distillers to get involved. So I've got, you know, friends at, at other major distilleries in Kentucky and I'm on the phone with them, getting them involved. Like, please, please join this effort, purchase rye from Kentucky, you know, and I'm sharing what we've done at Woodford with them so that they don't have as much trepidation about going into this project. So it's really, um, something like we're, we're excited. We took the first step and now we need other people to get involved because the more distillers that want to purchase in Kentucky, the more farmers that will be willing to produce and, so on and so forth. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the dope. paper straw is killing me though. I can't. I don't know. Yeah, no, I yeah, paper, yeah, straw. Yeah, paper straw. Yeah, cocktail yeah, out of a paper you, straw. That's a little too, thing, man. Save the environment. Hey, man, come on. You're going too far. <laughs> so, so how's your network growing so far? Like, do you have do you have a network of farms that are on board right now, or is it still in its infancy where you're still developing that? Or we have a lot. I mean, we've got. Um, we start out with like seven farmers, and we're up to about thirty farmers now, and. Um, so it's really growing and we're getting great uh, funding from the state to do the research because the other piece is, is that it, that rye doesn't grow well in Kentucky. I mean, that's one thing that we're learning. Our climate is really humid. So we're working with the University of Kentucky um, to do research on what varietals actually grow well in Kentucky. So farmers, we're giving them like um, like the one that we worked with a lot is Brasado. It's the varietal of rye mm. and it does well, but you have to put, um, you can't do it fully hundred percent organic. Um, and I'm probably speaking, so don't like all my farmer friends that are, might be listening. Like don't, you know, I mean, I, I could be wrong on this, but yeah, we're big in the farmlands. No one listens to our podcast. No, we're big in the farmlands. <laughs> we're, we're, hot. we're hot in the farmlands. But, um, but we can't do it like a hundred percent organically, which is mm-hmm. something we're working on because of just so much humidity in Kentucky. Right. So you have to uh, do things to combat some of the, the fungus that may grow on the, the grain and make it immutable. So we're learning all that. And so that's kind of the, the fun part. And so we have farmers, what we're doing basically with this grant money is that we're protecting farmers from uh, taking on this risk because they're, they're planting this going I've never grown rye before. I've never done this. I don't know if it's going to be successful. And so we're telling them whether you're successful or not, you're going to get paid for what you put down because you're sacrificing acres for something else you may have planted and the the efforts and the energy to put into doing all that. So that's a big piece of it too, is that the the risk, I mean, this is their livelihood. It's not, Oh, I'm just going to grow some things and it's cool. Like it is, they're, that's how they put food on the table. So it's really important that we always keep that in mind when we're doing this project. Yeah, true story. I mean, everybody's don't want to risk the bag. You know what I mean? They don't want to risk the check on venture, but if it works out, that'd be great for them. I don't blame them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, um, you know, we followed some of your Instagram posts, and you, you went to the Derby, and you got to hang out with Justin Thomas. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We, yeah. 
Now, I mean, and we were like, you know, you know, we were, you know, you know, we were, um, you know, um, really big golf, golf guys. Our, our, our two most expensive yeah, hobbies two most are expensive, golf, golf, and, and bourbon. bourbon. Yeah. One and two. Bourbon. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and and when I saw that, you know, we were like, wow. So, I mean, so how was that like? Hang, you know, hanging out with a, you know, you know, a, a really good guy in golf right now. Oh, and a really good human being. I mean, Justin Thomas and his whole family—they're amazing. We went down there to do a derby thing and we had to do I got a golf lesson from Justin oh what oh, so you um, so you play you play I mean guys <laughs> yeah. it's, okay. I can pick up a golf club and I can wear the outfit and mm. I can hit the ball okay. but like say less mm-hmm. okay yeah that's it that's but dope. I got a lesson a lesson from Justin and it was basically like because it was for TV which we never got to air because of COVID and everything it was for NBC Sports and um and it was me teaching. It was me teaching Justin how to drink bourbon, which dude does not need me to teach him. <laughs> yeah, for bourbon. real. Yeah, because, um, because he's from Kentucky, right? I think he's from Alabama. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah no, from no, Kentucky. no, no, no. He played. Okay. He played golf in Alabama. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but he, but then it was him teaching me how to play golf. And so we were, we went and, and filmed it. We were at uh, Ricky Fowler's house and in his front yard shooting golf balls. It was in. It was in. It was like She's a, a dream experience. And and everybody was like, couldn't be cooler, more down the earth, like just good people, like what you hope people say about people that are in these high profile oh, yeah, yeah. Um, roles, and and just in the whole Thomas family, they're like incredibly nice. So just good people. Wow. So dope. Yeah, that's, man, that's, that's awesome, dope, man. Coolest experience. Yeah, Super cool. So he did. That's you know what? What did he, did he drink? Old fashioned? What was his cocktail? Um, we made a special cocktail for Justin. It was called the the JT. It was um, a peach tea and Woodford, oh. which is great for the golf course. Peach it's, tea it's a good, and it was good, like yeah, peach tea and Woodford. It was really good and easy to sip on. Definitely come yeah. and try it. Yeah, that yeah. Good. Good joint. cool. Nice. Do you guys age and distill all your spirits on property in Kentucky, or is it outsourced somewhere else, or how does that work? So. We produce all of our own whiskey. We produce a portion, the Popsill portion, out at the Woodford Reserve Distillery. Yeah. We produce a portion of the Column Still portion at the Brown Foreman Distillery. So when you pick up a bottle of Woodford Reserve Distiller Select, it's always, no matter which um, grain recipe it is, it's always a batching of both the Popsill and the Column Still. Okay. But it's all it's all Brown Foreman. We don't buy from anybody. We don't sell to anybody. Like nobody else. Have it. So yeah. where so where are those two locations? So we know Woodford is in Kentucky, right? Woodford Reserve is in Kentucky. So Woodford is in Woodford County, yeah. which is like halfway between, sort of halfway between Lexington and Louisville. Okay. So Versailles. So and and then um, the Brown Foreman Distillery is in Shotton. Okay. And what's what's in Alabama? The the what part of Brown Foreman is in Alabama? We have uh, the Jack Daniels Cooperage, is in Decatur, Alabama. Okay, uh, right. I got you. Because I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and stunt. I asked my I asked my friend who used to work at Brown Foreman if he was aware of the master distiller here, and he was like, "Oh, I think she worked at the distillery." I'm like, "Pure facts, dog. Master distiller. What, is, what am I saying? <laughs> I mean, <go> on, <laughs> what am I? What am I saying exactly. to you, dog? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you know, I haven't had this uh, double double oak in several years because when I first started drinking bourbon, a friend of mine told me to try it, and I wasn't a fan. But let me tell you something tonight. It is fire. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, I feel like I have been wasted because I haven't gone back to it until tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And how and how long ago was that? That was 
Six years ago, maybe. Yeah, so you yeah. weren't you weren't matriculating. No, I wasn't matriculating. Was yeah, funny. My, uh, yeah, my palate wasn't refined as it is. It What's funny, now. Elizabeth, is one of one of our <laughs> listeners told us like this is her favorite pour. She, you know, she told us this. Uh, Diva Mayfield said this was her favorite pour, Woodford Reserve. She was trying to tell us about the double. Yeah, Oak. and we were like, well, we really never had it. Yeah, but yeah, we owe her an apology. No, no, no. You know who else said that? Marianne Eve said that. Facts. Yes. Yeah. 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 On yeah. our show. Yeah. yeah. Marianne yeah. Eve. So, yeah. She's big time. So, All right, so yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I just, I just was thinking about it. I saw the bottle. And, and so tell us, tell us no, no, more about it. the double oak. Because we, we all are big fans of this. So tell us more about it, what it's all about, and how it came about. Okay. So uh, Woodford Reserve Double Oak, it hit the shelves in 2012. Okay. When I, and I was working in the sensory lab at this time, like, doing all my sensory tests. I'm like, what is this double oak stuff that comes across the, the, cat, the, the laptop desk? And I'm like, is this like around forever? Because it came and then it went away for a long time. And so basically what happened is that it came out. People loved it. We didn't make enough of it. And so we had to wait because you have to wait for double oak. You got to wait for it to double oak itself, right? So basically, the way that you make it is you start out, I've got, I've got my bottle of Woodford here. You, you start out as Woodford Reserve Distiller Select. So we could technically take the liquid that we're, we put into the second barrel and put it into a bottle. So we make Woodford Reserve Distiller Select. But instead of putting it into a bottle, we put it into a second barrel. The second barrel is heavily toasted, lightly charred. So we have our own cooperage. We're able to do what I like to call couture barreling. So we make barrels per brand, not like, you know, you can go up to any cooperage and say, oh, give me the number two toast and level four char. Like we all know those numbers. Like we don't speak in numbers. We speak in time. And so a double oak barrel is made specifically for double oak, only used for double oak, and only used as a finishing barrel. So it's kind of crazy uh, that we have this barrel. We season the wood for nine months. We toast the wood. We do 40 minutes of toasting. So that's an extremely long time to toast. Our standard barrel is 10 minutes of toasting. So we go 40 minutes. And the reason why you go 40 minutes is because when you toast that long, you get the heat penetrates into the really deep parts of the wood. There's a layer called the lignin layer of the wood, oh, and um, that's where all the vanillin sits. So all those like, like the white meat. buttery notes. I mean, it's like all that yumminess is in the wood, and so you gotta you toast it for 40 minutes, really bring that out, and then we flash char for five to ten seconds, just boom, set it on fire. So it's still a new charred oak barrel, and then we age our whiskey in there. The spec is like six to, to twelve months. We really try to hit that like nine to twelve months age to really give it that nice double oak character mm. and uh, that's what double oak did so it's a kentucky straight bourbon whiskey and um it's it's just amazing it's well how done. that second well barrel well done bars, all that. Bars. hold on i i don't know if you guys are paying attention i was paying attention i was not i kind of i mean you know. i don't know if you you and i <laughs> locked eyes for a moment <laughs> I saw and if y'all. i understand what elizabeth just told us is this is a toasted bourbon yeah yeah, yeah. Oh damn! The yeah, game, the yeah. game just changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, and that's you know, I think you know uh, that's like a new wave now. Everyone's talking about toasted this and toasted that, and you guys have been um, doing this for a while, right? I mean, and nobody, know, and nobody knew it, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, you guys been. Go ahead. You know, I want to say it, but they're copying. Like they're trying to take this beauty. Yeah. I mean, see again, that's probably something I shouldn't say, but it's true. Like this has been around since 2012, but, right. and actually, this was birthed out of a um, our seasoned oak um, or toasted oak master's collection we did. So we did this and released it as a master's collection, and then thought we should release this as a regular line extension. So, I mean, we've been doing it, like, and I don't remember what year that was, but uh, it was well before 2012. So, we've been doing this for a long time, right. and yeah. and nobody yeah. does it quite as well as we do. Facts. Uh-oh. Spit Uh-oh. your bars. Stunt. They've been Spit in this game bars. for years. Stunt. Spit your bars. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, my bad. <laughs> I'm finished. So, I mean, a lot of people, you know, um, you know, as, as part of their, like, offerings, I mean, this is, like, an allocated, you know, offering in their portfolio, right? And so, you're saying that this is just... We just ruined it. This is everybody. what we do. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is yeah. how we roll. I mean, yeah, this is us. This is available all the time. Now... Well, in North Carolina, I'm not. I'm not so sure. It's not available. Well, all the okay. Pass the brick. It has been. It should be available all the time. It has been allocated recently because of glass there, not because we don't have the liquid, but because because of supply chain issues in getting glassware. That's why we haven't been able to have it. But we spent the entire month of December bottling nothing but Woodford Reserve Double Oak at our distillery. We were like. We got to get this out to the people. And I mean, I thought I went, I did a haul the other day. I went to like one of our local liquor stores and I was loading up the Woodford and I was like, double oak, give me it. And they're like, you're a big Woodford fan. I was like, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they write my checks. Yeah. You have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I, so I do have a question for you that we did not put on the run of show for you, by the way. So this is going to, this may catch you off guard, but I, I feel like when you think about Woodford Reserve, the brand, there's this delineation Ooh. there. This, there are, you know, the, the newer people in bourbon. And then there's the, the bourbon nerds, like the hunters. And very rarely do we see the new, like the hardcore bourbon hunters looking for Woodford anything. The newer people, though, they're all about Woodford. Like, if I ask someone if they just got into, into bourbon, bourbon, I say, yeah. hey, what do you like? They say, oh, Woodford. Right. Right? I had a and conversation so, just this weekend. Just this weekend, party. right. Yep. But you guys have That's hitters. True. Like, this double oak, you got the Baccarat, which nobody can find, right? Oh, you can find it, but you're going to pay you got to be traveling international duty for you. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're not in marketing and branding, but is that something that you guys are conscious of, that you're, that you're proud of? Or that you're trying to sort of get on on board with some of these bourbon whiskey nerds to get them chasing after your product? No, I mean, here's the thing. is that Woodford is, is one of those brands that we're looking at it to be here for the next, we've been around for 25 years, another 25, another 50, 100 years. Woodford's going to be around forever. 1,500 um, summers? <laughs> I mean, we're forever. <laughs> I mean, what we... And like so, so I think it's it's we have our hot things double double where people are hunting for it and trying to get it, and we have our master's collection which we come out with, which is some crazy, cool juice that's like innovative and different and like and just myself and Chris Morris being like, let's try something funky. I want to try this. Let's do it. Um, and and really producing great whiskey. Uh, but but here's the thing is that I think isn't so. 
I think it's cool when people go out to a restaurant. Like I went out with friends the other day and sat down and, and the other couple was already there and he had ordered a glass of another bourbon. I won't say its name, uh, but it's great bourbon, really good bourbon, but it's hard to find and it's heavily allocated. And he was drinking it and he's like, it's so good. I had to order it because I can never get it. And I don't want to buy a bottle, but I want just to, to have a glass of it when I go out. Okay. But here's the thing is that people do that once and then they are like, and now I'll have a whisper. Because you go for that, like, what's the rare thing? And you're like, I want to try it once and do it and spend the money. But when you want something that's tried and true, you're like, and I'll have a Woodford because I know it's going to be good every single time. And I think what we forget about a lot as, as people make buzz over like this rare sought out thing, you forget about the art of crafting something that is quality consistent time and time and time and time again. Yeah. And um, I was talking to a whiskey right. writer and I was like, yeah, when we make a master's collection or a distillery series, it's like, so easy because it's fun and it's like I think it tastes good but I have nothing to compare it to and I, it will never be repeated so it's like you can kind of just have fun with it and whatever but Woodford you screw this up yeah. we're, we're in trouble yeah. like you this has to be good every single time and that is a true art form that's daunting to to really think about maintaining that forever. Great but, answer. Yeah. yeah. You know, Wood, Woodford is the one you marry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, we we joke a lot, we have fun on here, but but inevitably at the end of the day, inevitably, mm-hmm. we try to learn something. Facts. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what we learned today is like we've missed out on something, but knowledge is power. So is we there? know this is a nice toasted bourbon mm-hmm. and circling back to it to taste it. We know the process, yeah. and you know bourbon's a story. Yeah. Bro, speaking of learning something, Bruh. I'm just going to go on record right now. Yeah. From a technical standpoint, it's this wax. interview yeah. tonight uh, yeah, technically is yeah. probably the best we've ever had on this show. I mean, and really, I, there's so much more I want to ask you and unpack, but that's purely up to you if you want to just keep rolling along. because Hey, we I got have, seven more minutes. I have more questions. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, yeah, there's a get- we got seven more minutes. Okay, cool. Yeah. So if we can pack it in seven minutes, you know, we we talk about, we like to ask, I guess, what their legacy is. And you're working on a lot of fronts. I mean, you're working on the carbon footprint. You're trying to bring rye back to the U.S. You, you have your Green Hill Therapy Initiative you're working on. You're working with the Young Women's Club of Louisville. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and let listeners know what you're doing there? Or do you just want to compartmentalize it to bourbon? Um, well, so I'll touch on that. Like, my legacy with the brand, I mean... I hope I hope I'll be on this brand for a long, long time. So I hope that sustainability and really making an impact so that globally people will pick up a bottle of Woodford and go, oh, this is a a, a um, environmentally conscious brand and one that I can feel good about purchasing. Um, so that's something that's really important to me and to have an impact and to say, you know, 20, 50 years from now, like, oh, rye grows in Kentucky. I was a part of that. Yeah, um, getting it started. Um, so that'd be really cool. And then with other things, I mean, it, all those other uh, involvements I have is just supporting the community. I mean, there's nothing that I like makes my heart bleed more is just seeing the suffering that we have. And I mean, you've seen the stuff in the news in the state of Kentucky with yeah. the tornadoes more recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even here in our city of Louisville, we're just hurting right now. And um, so I'm, I'm involved in the community and I'm, I just feel like I wish I could do more. I wish I could do more to, to help our community heal and be um, the great place that it, it is. It's a wonderful place, but we just have a lot of violence going on and things that it's just, 
it's heartbreaking and um, we're better than that. So I want to help be a part of the solution to that too. That's Cheers. dope. That's dope. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So, so do you want to tell the people, our listeners, how they can follow you on Instagram? We'll put it on the show notes, but if you want them to um, hit you up, put that out there. Yeah. So I basically just do Instagram. I don't venture into the other social realms. So people can find me at um, Elizabeth underscore O'Neill underscore McCall. Mm-hmm. Very long, but Elizabeth O'Neill McCall on Instagram. Yeah, and if you, if you didn't pay attention in the middle, that's one ill, okay? <laughs> O'Neill, <laughs> one ill. Baller. That is very good. That you know what I'm saying? Good. I study yeah. hard. I study hard. Well, we thank you for coming through the Black and Brown Podcast and hanging out with us. Yeah, man. And uh, maybe we can do it again because there's yeah. like, I mean, just the stuff you gave us was bars. Yeah. It was dope. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I'd be happy to come back talk more. Like, I feel, more. I feel like we might have to edit something out because it was proprietary. Like, she gave us like... No, we're not going to do it. I mean, that was uh-uh. so good. No, 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 Encourage others to do it, right? And, and yeah. I'm like 90% charisma, 10% intelligence, and so, and I actually understood. <laughs> I actually understood everything you said. So well, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, hold hold tight while smart guy wraps us up. Wrap us up, B. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth, thanks for coming through to the Black and Brown podcast. Stay black and keep it brown. Cheers, cheers. Thank you.